2: Bucknutters. What's the date? Today is Tuesday, January the 17th, 2023. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning Five and Change. Often you see Steve Wolfong sitting there, but no crouton to speak of, so we had to call him the big guns, another Steve Hellwagon. Sir, how are you on this fine morning it does not look like the sun will punch through and we are on some kind of gray stretch here in Ohio good gracious how are you it
3: is the gray the gray uh three-month period of grayness here in Ohio at least it's supposed to be like 55 degrees today but can't play golf because we're underwater so yeah it's I just uh, the way it is
2: small victory but
3: uh
2: I don't know if it's a small victory or a big loss or whatever but we're going to take kind of a uh plus minus on the transfer portal today. Who's staying? Who's going? Uh, We're two days away, really, from the end of the portal for this session. Then there'll be another one in the spring, and Steve will hit on that. But we kind of do have a scorecard now. Obviously, the biggie yesterday, C.J. Stroud. I give the kid credit. Uh, I didn't think there would be any situation where you could convince Buckeye Nation or the rest of the world that a guy who had a $30 million signing bonus waiting for him. Would want to come back to uh, college. I guess people's expectations of the NIL are quite high. But CJ did make it official yesterday. What did you uh, make of the whole situation? And then uh, obviously we're turning the page, and you can weigh in on the competition about to start between Kyle, McCard and, Kyle, McCard, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Kind of really the first true competition I guess they've had since Haskins
3: Yeah, I think this was to be completely expected, obviously. Uh, I mean, I think that him drawing out the timing of this to the absolute last day before making a social media uh, comment about it and and his departure statement, which was very poignant, I thought, and mentioned how he'd be a Buckeye for life and, and everything else. And, you know, people can say what they want about his legacy. I just look at him as a great player arguably one of, if not the greatest quarterback they've ever had. JT obviously has the career record in yards and touchdowns, but uh, uh, CJ Stroud, uh, obviously second in both categories in two years as a starter. Uh, uh, You know, JT was there three and a half years as the starters, but the one year with Cardale. So I just look at it that, that this guy carved out his niche at Ohio State. Did he beat Michigan? no. Did he win the Big Ten? No, but a lot of circumstances were beyond his control. They lost four games in his two years, and in general, he played pretty well. And in, in most, if not all, those losses, he played pretty well. So I don't think you can blame him for any of it. Um, and moreover, his last game kind of cemented him, I think, as a top five NFL draft pick, if not number one. <clears throat> I think it'll be between he and Bryce Young probably as number one and uh, at least at the quarterback position, I mean, maybe somebody else will leak up there and be the number one pick. You never know. That's kind of a nebulous thing, depending on the the team and their need. But uh, Houston and Indianapolis, obviously, in need of quarterbacks are are probably going to jump on them, you would think, one or the other. But, uh, you know, to me, uh, it was a no-brainer for him, as you said. I mean, NIL, they could have scraped together two, three, four million dollars, maybe. He'd been the Highest-paid furniture salesman in the history of Value City Furniture, perhaps I don't know, but uh, uh, you know, does anybody need a a, a coffee table or an ottoman by any chance to to help fund this acquisition? But uh, several ottomans, but yes, several. (laughs) You need one for every room, but uh, I I digress. You know, just just to me, a great Buckeye, a good leader. And I think he's going to test well at the combine. I think people are going to be very impressed when they talk to him, just how spiritual he is and how uh, good of a person he is. And I think that he'll have no problem going to the next level. And, and now the race is on between he and Justin Fields to, uh, to turn around that mantra that Ohio State quarterbacks can't get it done in the NFL, which one's going to get their team to the playoffs first. But, uh, you know, uh, from Ohio State's standpoint, it leaves Kyle McCord, I think, as the heir apparent with Devin Brown, kind of as the, uh, the, the dark horse, the guy on the outside trying to track him down this spring and that'll be fun this spring says a lot to me Dan that they haven't gone into the portal a whole hog looking for a quarterback to come in and start next year Uh, the coaches uh, Corey Dennis and uh, Ryan Day and Brian Hartline are the only ones who really get to see these guys work in practice and they must believe they've got something with McCord and Brown, otherwise they'd be out there trying to get uh, trying trying to buy the kid from North Carolina or you know what whatever uh, whatever else is being done out there. Yeah,
2: it's kind of an interesting situation. We've talked about this in general about the portal. It's not as easy to transfer to these big schools as people may think. Yeah, there aren't that many as much as we sit here in kvetch about Ohio State's. Lineup, it's not exactly the easiest thing to crack and to bring a, a quarterback in from I don't even know who they could have brought in, like you said, maybe Drake May, but otherwise, these guys would be so far behind. And listen, the one thing Ohio State has proven they can do just go to the Heisman ceremony is quarterback. So, I i actually will we need to see Going Randy away. not do it, to me. you know what I mean? So, yep uh we'll go from there the rest of the guys that left i think were relatively predictable uh paris johnson and dewan jones now replacing two tackles in one year uh and a new quarterback that's that's a tall task um rocket hickman luke whipler and jackson smith and jigba smith and jigba like we said has kind of been out of sight out of mind for a while now I'd have to say that Whipler is the one that surprises me. We'll have a boarding house item on that today. He surprised more than uh, the Buckeyes that he came out. The idea of starting another season with, I mean, talent won't be an issue at Ohio State, but you're going to have a raw left tackle, a raw center, a raw right tackle, and a raw quarterback. Do we need to adjust expectations going forward because of that?
3: Well, you know, I think, I think so. I think, uh, there are some moving pieces and parts there. I think Matthew Jones, uh, who did return, who made the decision to come back. Uh, and again, you know, offensive guards are not typically first or second round draft picks. They're guys that you plug in, you know, pluggers that, uh, that you can find, uh, later in the draft, typically maybe, you know, second, third, fourth round, whatever you need good players, obviously. Um, but I think maybe they sold Matthew Jones on the idea that he would slide over and play center. Jacob James was kind of listed as the backup there all season, but he didn't get to play a whole lot. So it's possible maybe Matthew Jones slides over to help his NFL marketability and he plays center, which is a possibility. Uh, Beyond that, possibly Jacob James. I don't know what they're thinking there. Josh Fryer, I think, is the uh, heir apparent, it would seem, at one of the tackle positions, and you get beyond that, maybe uh, uh, Zin Machowski could be a guy. Maybe there'll be a late portal addition after spring football uh, could be a possibility because it seems like the the portal window is now closing, uh, and they really didn't add an offensive lineman. So, to me, uh, yeah, a lot of lot of new faces are going to be involved in this, but you do have six or seven returning starters on offense and all of your skill position players, the tight end, the three wide receivers, the top two running backs, top three running backs. I mean, that's a lot of explosive uh, playmaking ability. If you just are able to uh, do a little bit uh, on the offensive line and the quarterback is a good caretaker of the football, I think they're going to be just fine.
2: It's interesting you say that because it's almost like they've inverted the championship game when they went out of their way to lose – skill players that I said, if you add up the skill players, they lost in the championship game. That's like a hundred million dollars worth of NFL player there that uh, can be helpful when you're going up against a juggernaut like Georgia. But I think you make some really good points. If you're going to have a quarterback starting for the first time, it's nice for him to have a pair of first round receivers and probably a third round tight end to throw to, um, very impressive setup there, and like you said, Matt Jones at center. He was originally a center when he came here, and kind of got yep. beat out. When you've got the left guard, will be great, so it'll kind of be different than last year. You'll be good inside out rather than outside in, not good or bad. in terms of experience, so we will see there. Um, in terms of the guys that are coming back, uh, there were some surprising guys that are coming back, and to me, the most surprising is uh, Tommy Eichenberg now. I'm not surprised because he seems like, you know, Johnny Buckeye, but and we'll have a boarding house item on him, if not today, then tomorrow, about where he was projected. But you can't add a freshman or someone to the team that's going to be better than Eichenberg is going to be this coming season. That is a tremendous pickup. I mean, he's arguably going to be the best middle linebacker in the country, Um, not to mention the leadership factor on your defense, uh, given that it's been a tad suspect at times. Am I overrating the return of the Cleveland native?
3: No, and I think he was outstanding for the balance of the season. I'm having a hard time thinking about a game where I came away from it and said, man, Tommy Eichenberg's presence wasn't really felt today because he was right. usually around eight or 10 tackles, a bit tackle for loss, you know, a big play here, an interception there, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, I think at midseason, I think a lot of people thought he would be an All American candidate. He did get maybe some second or third team honors here or there. Um, I, I I just think he had a tremendous, tremendous season, came on. He improved so much from the previous yeah. year to, to this year to where I think some of it was fitting in the defense. He and Jim Knowles were simpatico, it yeah. seemed like, with the scheme. Uh, Steel Chambers, they formed a great tandem at linebacker. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's tremendous that Ohio State's got him back. I think he's a heart and soul type guy of the defense and kind of a glue that, that, that kind of molds the front with the linebacking group with the, with the back end. I think he's a guy that kind of holds it all together and could be a great leader for that, uh, that defense. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to have some pieces back on defense when you talk about JT Tui Jack Sawyer. Michael Hall, Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton. That's a pretty formidable front four, five, however you want to look at it. Caden Curry perhaps coming on. And then Mm -hmm. Lathan Ransom, we haven't touched on him yet. He made the decision to come back as well. His last two games notwithstanding, he did have a couple of mistakes uh, in the Michigan and the Georgia games that were very costly, obviously. But, uh, you know, he played pretty well in the first – Seven, eight, ten games of the season, and the things that he made mistakes on are things that can be corrected. Staring into the backfield, you know, trying to help on the run and getting beat deep by the tight end, falling down. I mean, you know that that was a, a just a, a free tight situation. You know, things things happen in life. I think it was the wrong scheme call. Just it was. I I think he was put in a bad spot. I think King Brown was put in a bad spot against Michigan, and those two touchdowns ultimately, uh, you know were extremely costly in those two games. So, but uh, yeah, I think it's great to have him back to get all the way around to it because now in the secondary, you've got him at safety and Denzel Burke at corner and those two guys can lead the rest of them. You figure Sonny Styles is going to play safety. Uh, Mm -hmm. You figure Jordan Hancock, uh is probably going to be at corner if not Jair Brown uh possibly so uh you know it, it it's going to work out. I don't have any I don't have any doubt about it. Uh, it's going to work out and and those guys coming back Eichenberg and Ransom really helped the defense in my opinion. And Steel Chambers if you're talking about leadership and kind of the glue guys, definitely. He really fits in there.
2: And also for people who are worried about CJ Hicks getting playing time and Eichenberg, number one they don't play the same position and number two the staff wants cj hicks to be just as good as we do okay and uh, they recruited him they have a vision for him if he's ready to go out there and make plays he'll be out there i don't those aren't the kind of guys who fall through the cracks in a football program so i don't think you need to worry about that at all um they also are bringing in jihad carter really the the noteworthy uh, transfer portal addition to play safety so They've got enough bodies back there. Kai Stokes, as well as a guy who obviously flashed in the spring game, so definitely. I'll tell you, if we could have one guy have the the a career year next year, I might vote for Denzel Burke. Um, yes,
3: lockdown great freshman year,
2: not a great sophomore year. Uh, I don't want to get into why. Who knows? He was banged I mean, up, banged up. Look, you're under. You, you, if you have a great freshman year at Ohio State. A lot comes at you. You know what I mean. Yep. In uh, many Life forms, comes at you fast. many forms of uh, distraction can come at you, and you're an 18, 19 year old kid from from out west, and you're in uh, Columbus. You know, uh, there's a. Uh, we don't need to go into too much detail there, but I think you know, as the NFL starts, the siren song of the league gets closer and closer. Guys tend to buckle down. And uh, let's hope Denzel Burke has a contract year next year. He has the talent. He looked like he was just out of sorts last year. And if he doesn't, they're going to need to get better guys in there because uh, it does look like the way football has gone. As good as your defense is, you're going to give up 30 points in the championship game, even if you're a legendary defense. So they need some playmakers back there. Obviously, Sonny Styles you mentioned, stud. We're going to take a quick break right now, and we're going to come back and talk basketball. If you are not a fan of basketball, you don't have to listen to the end of the podcast, and you certainly don't need to come on the message board thread and lament Stephen I's love of round ball. Here's the break.
1: What time we got? Sixteen oh six. Selling a little or a lot.
2: And we are back. Let's talk hoops. Steve and I are both hoops uh, aficionados in our own mind for sure. Um, Boy, they have lost some close games here, Holtman's crew. Uh, My son actually works out with Ohio native Caleb McConnell in the offseason. And, man, he is a force. I wish we would have recruited him harder. He is a defensive tone setter. They've lost some close games.
3: Where is he from, Dan? Where is he from?
2: Caleb McConnell attended Dunbar until his senior year. He he did. And then he transferred to Spire Academy and had no interest from Ohio state. Now I will say this. He has developed. He's one of those guys that got to college and saw he wasn't going to get 20 points a game and became, you know, he was big 10 defensive player of the year this past year. And, um, he's a stud now, great family too. And, um, Devon Baker, his backcourt mate, has taken a circuitous route and is now at OU for those uh, hoop nerds out there. All right. Uh, I actually want to talk about Bryce Sensabaugh a little bit. He's in a very interesting spot here. He has fallen into the Ohio State guy who is being credited by NBA people and moving out of the starting lineup at Ohio State. Give me your vibes on Bryce Sensabaugh. I think one could tune into the highlights and think he's a top 10 pick. If you watch the whole game, I'm not sure one would think the same. Um, kind of reflective of the team in a little bit.
3: Yeah. His defense, I think, at times has been a bit of a liability. Uh, Dean, as I went back and watched the Minnesota game, which was probably as deflating a loss as Ohio State's had right there with maybe Oral Roberts, which obviously that's on a different plane because that's the NCAA tournament. It was a 215 game and it was the end of the season, uh, end of what should have been a very promising NCAA tournament run as a two-seed. This is for regular season. It doesn't get any worse than losing to a team that was 0-4 in Big Ten play and losing to them at home when you're a 15-point favorite, kind of ridiculous really when you come right down to it. And then to hear Sean McNeil say they didn't have energy or whatever, whatever these sorry explanations were after the game, Uh, the Fox broadcast was very telling it, it had, um, the, uh, the commentary of both coaches kind of in live, you know, in real time. I mean, they, they bleeped out some of the cuss words, obviously, but what I saw watching that game was so much confusion defensively that there'd be a switch or a ball screen or a pick and pop or whatever and two defenders would go with one guy and leave the other guy from Minnesota wide open. And let's say that happened 10 times while they hit five of them. And those five shots that they hit that were wide, 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 wide open, uh, you know, were the difference in the game. You lose the game, obviously 70 to 67. Uh, They have seven losses. Six of them have been by single digits and uh, the one that wasn't was the San Diego State game, in Hawaii was was a closer game throughout, ended up 11. But uh, back on Sensabaugh, two double-doubles in a row, 20 points and 11 rebounds, took the shot that forced the overtime with about 40 seconds to go, tied the game, three-pointer, and then with the time running out at the end of regulation play, uh, he fell into a trap, uh, You know, I would have liked to have seen uh, him take that ball going to the basket, although Clifford Amourier is back there, and you certainly don't want to challenge him. uh, But you know, he's lurking back there, but uh, maybe get to that mid range and hit a six footer to win it would have been maybe a better play or try and draw a foul than to uh, settle for the 20-foot jump shot, the three-pointer. It's the same thing, again, referencing Oral Roberts that we saw Dwayne Washington do at the end of regulation in that game. He settled. He was bringing the ball up the court plenty of time, settled for the long-range jumper, and and obviously the game went to overtime and they got beat. Same recipe here. Same recipe as North Carolina. This team is in a rut. What can we say? Lost four in a row. It's the fourth time in uh, Holtman's six years that it's happened. And uh, they've got to come out of this. The last time it happened was the end of the, the season two years ago where the COVID year, where they were losing games at home uh, and then went to Indianapolis and uh, won three games in three days. So it can turn on a dime in this sport pretty quickly. We thought they were playing great ball when they beat Northwestern on the road by 16. And then you lose in the last second to Purdue, lose three more games after that. And uh you know, but since the ball, man, he's just sensational. What can you say about him? And, and uh, you know, you just got to get – the team has just got to get on the same page. And a lot of that's coaching. A lot of that's individual attitudes. And uh, they, they got to get this thing fixed right now because the season's slipping away. I, I just think Holtman's putting himself
2: in a tough spot when he replaces the point guard every single year through the portal. That You just get no continuity with the team. Yeah, uh, who's the guy? Is it like Kelly
3: Likely. Isaac Likely? Isaac Likely. Yeah, he hasn't had much of an impact for this team. Little look, drips and drabs here and there. I mean, he's a fine defender, but I
2: think yeah. you saw in the last play of the game, he had a reverse layup to win, you know, to to seal the game or whatever. It's just it's just a frustrating. And McNeil, I, I love Sean McNeil, but he's a one trick pony now. Um, yeah. And defensively, look, they're going after him, so I don't know. Sensabaugh is interesting because of this reason you're starting to get, and this is from people that I trust and an NBA chatter around him. And uh, we've been through this several times before. D'Angelo Russell did not come in here as a one and done, despite what you may have uh, read um, and Malachi Branham. And I'm the biggest Malachi fan there's ever been. I got a chance to see him come up forever on the same gyms but nobody thought he was a one and done now he's a stud where do you chris glover question for steve at the halfway point of their freshman years who's better malachi Branham think, or bryce hensiboff
3: yeah great question it was about a year ago at this time um you know in the in the december portion of the season Branham was only averaging single digits and they had a COVID break of about three weeks, and he and his shooting coach got up every day and went to the shot, and they even shot some video of it and put it on social media, and then were told they had to take it down, uh, presumably because Ohio State didn't want video out there that somebody was coming on their premises working with one of their players, I guess. I I don't know what the upshot of it was, but I can tell you what the main upshot of it was was that uh, Branham came out of the holiday break, Fired out of there like a cannon, 35 points in that uh, game at Nebraska. That uh, it was a, you know, Pat Murphy and I flew from Pasadena to Omaha, drove to Lincoln because it was the day after the Rose Bowl last year on January 2nd. And thank goodness we were there to witness it in person. Malachi Branham, 35 points, and he was off and running after that. And Holtman was only too glad to have him off and running after that. He turned that kid loose. And uh, E.J. Liddell, you know, they were Batman and Robin, and you can uh, you can decide for yourself which one was Batman and which one was Robin after that, that thing got going. But uh, first half of the season, though, Sensabaugh has had a better first half of the year than, than Branham did. Branham really came on. The big thing for Sensabaugh is not to hit that wall. Now that he's almost 20 games into it, he's got to keep pushing. You can see it's starting to wear on Bruce Thornton a little bit, the freshman. I guess he's got a little bit of a hand or a wrist injury that may be impacting his play as well, but he's been outstanding. I don't want to say these guys are Greg Oden and Mike Conley, but they're like Greg Oden and Mike Conley light, you know, <laughs> so uh, not an Oden, obviously, you know, seven footer and a big guy, you know, blocking shots and rebounding, you know, different player, obviously, than sense But, uh, you know, I, I think that these guys as freshmen, a freshman tandem, we haven't seen this good probably back to Greg and Mike. So, uh, yeah, you got to be excited about, you know, what sense of ball could do here down the stretch. And, again, there are a ton of winnable games left. I went through and I've got them, you know, if they play like they're capable, they could win eight or nine of the last 14 games, I guess, and still, you know, create a nice resume for themselves. It's just they got to the get got to get out of this funk. And starts tomorrow that? night at Nebraska. Got gotta win that game. Nebraska's down at least one guy who's got his arm in a sling, and uh, the the guard who Greasel who's done really well for them may not play either. So, uh, gotta win that game. That is that has become a must win, and it's one foot in front of the other right now. And you can't assume they're going to beat anybody at this point. When you lose home to Minnesota, you could lose to anybody anywhere. So, you know, got gotta go win that game tomorrow night.
2: I had to actually go to my phone for the roster because I couldn't remember the coach's name at Minnesota. That's how bad the loss was. Yeah,
3: Ben Johnson. I thought he came across great on that Fox thing because obviously this guy's team's mired with a losing record. He has nothing to lose. Hadn't won a Big Ten game yet, so he was pulling out every stop. And uh, it was a dichotomy where Holtman was doubling over with every bad shot and his audio was getting blipped. (laughs) Ben Johnson was, was hell. Yes. You know, hell. Yes. You know, <laughs> even when his guys would dribble it off out of bounds, hell. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
2: no doubt. That was uh, <laughs> it was like a slow motion car crash at one point. I'll say this. I would be surprised if sensible comes back for his sophomore year.
3: Oh no, no. He's Partially go. because
2: physically he's ready to play right now.
3: well indeed um, Here's a guy who missed his junior year in high school as well because of injury. So he knows all too well. This, this this stuff. I'll say it that Time way. The, say it in the other word can be taken away from him at any given moment, so he can cash in. He's cashing in first available opportunity, no doubt. Yeah. So we will keep an eye on that team. We hope you enjoyed
2: the show. We appreciate Steve stepping in here. Have a good one, Buck Nutters.